0: This morning we are starting a new journey, one that's going to take us through the pages of the book of Romans. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I encourage you to go ahead and find Romans chapter 1 and maybe... Um, you might be wondering where exactly is Romans. Well, if you start at the beginning of the New Testament, you'll find the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, then Acts, and Romans is right after that. So while you are turning there this morning, I want to just remind you that the book of Romans was written by Paul And he wrote it to the church in Rome during his third missionary journey. And it was somewhere in the time period of AD 55 to AD 58. And if you are wondering about, like, so what style of writing does this fall in? It's actually a letter. And I'll remind you, like, when we have just recently gone through the books of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, they are also letters. So as you'd probably expect, there is indeed a theme that we find throughout the pages of the book of Romans. Paul is not just writing to this church to say hello. He has a reason and a purpose that he is writing. And here's the theme that we see Appeared over and over again throughout the pages of the book of Romans. In Christ, the righteous God unites Jews and Gentiles into one people of God. And I want to be sure we get this right from the very beginning. It is only God that can do that, it is only God that can provide that unification. It's Him, and that's the one that we need to look to. So, with that in mind, if you You are physically able to stand this morning. I want to invite you to stand as I read God's Word. Again, Romans chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you. Who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you but thus far have been prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation, both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome, for I am not ashamed of the gospel." For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Would you pray with me please? Father, we thank you so much just for the opportunity to open up our Bibles and to read Your holy word. Father, now I pray for these next few minutes that your anointing will be upon me. Father, I pray that the words that come out of my mouth will be your words, not mine. Father, I pray that you will hide me behind the cross of Jesus Christ. Father, during this message, I pray that I will be faithful to point these people to Jesus and to the cross. Father, I do pray that if there is one hearing my voice this morning, whether they are physically here in the sanctuary or if they are watching or listening by technology this morning, if there is one that hears my voice this morning that does not know you as the Lord and Savior, may this be the day that we have salvation in this place. May our eyes see it. May you be glorified. And it's in the name of Jesus that I pray these things. Amen. You may be seated. Now, the title of this morning's message is this. It's about the gospel. And church, I want you to hear it this morning. It is about the gospel. Everything about this message is about the gospel. Everything about each of our lives, if we are followers of Jesus Christ, it should be about the Gospel. So that's our title this morning. It's about the Gospel. We're going to see in verses 1 through 6 that Paul gives us his greeting. And I'm going to tell you, there is a lot that Paul includes in these six verses. And honestly, when I was first praying through this text of what I would share with you this morning, I came really close to it only being these first six verses because there is so much that's included in these six verses. But at the same time, I felt that God was saying, Go farther than that. So I'm going to try my best to do that this morning. But understand there is a lot in these six verses this morning. And I may not cover every last thing that's in these six verses for the sake of time. But perhaps you're wondering this morning, why would Paul? devote this much at the beginning of this letter to an introduction? And I'll tell you, that would be a very fair question for you to be asking at this time. But I want just to set the scene for you. Keep in mind that Paul had a future mission to Spain and beyond, and it would indeed involve this church at Rome to which he is writing. Also keep in mind that the people there... In this church in Rome, they had never met Paul. They, they hadn't met him. So he spends some time on his introduction. Perhaps some of them had heard of his former life. You know, the man that was previously known as what? Saul, who was very gifted in persecuting Christians. Perhaps some of those people had heard of that man. But I want to be sure that we get it right from the beginning of this series as a result of this man named Saul who turned into Paul. As a, as a result of that radical transformation, he went from persecuting Christians to probably being the most evangelist this world has ever seen. Church, that's what Christ can do. That is what Christ can do. Don't think He can't do it with your life. He can. And if he has truly transformed your life, you have also experienced a radical transformation. So in these first six verses, we see that Paul identifies himself and he establishes his credentials and he tells them what his mission is. So he identifies himself here as a servant of Christ Jesus. He says he's called to be an apostle, and he is set apart for the gospel of God. That's quite a beginning, isn't it? A servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Now, I want to just say one other thing here from the very beginning. I really believe that there are people today who believe that as a result of this radical transformation that this man that we now know as Paul was changed from a very active person to a very passive person. Hear me when I say this morning, that is not true. I actually believe that Paul was more active after his transformation than he ever was prior to the transformation, but the difference is he willingly submitted himself to the plan and to the purposes of Christ who was his master. See, now he understands who his master is, and he is willingly submitting himself to Christ. And I've just got to ask us at the beginning this morning, is that what we do in our personal lives? That's what we're supposed to do, but is that what we do When we see the word servant here, it's really the same word that is used for a slave. So Paul is saying here, I am a slave for Jesus Christ. I am a slave for Jesus Christ. But don't miss this. Paul is doing this willingly. He is not under some type of bondage. Now he also points out here in verse 1 that he is called to be an apostle. So where did this calling come from? Where did it come from? It came from Christ. That's where our callings do come from. And I just want to remind you, remember how He called the first disciples? It was just through a simple statement, wasn't it? What was it? Come, follow me. And they did it. They did it. I want to remind you this morning, He's still saying that today. He is still saying, come, follow me. And remember once we have truly asked Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, He expects us to be one of His disciples too. Remember the words of Jesus to the first twelve that He sent out. It's found in John twenty, twenty-one, 21. And I want to tell you this morning, that's our commission as well. And it says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And I want you to know, if you are one of His followers this morning, He has sent you somewhere. He wants to send you somewhere. Now, it may not be around the world. It might be. He might call you to a foreign country. But don't miss the point. He has called you somewhere. He has called you to go somewhere. It might be to go across the street. And knock on your neighbor's door. It may be to be the hands of feet in Jesus in your workplace. Wherever He places you on a given day. But don't miss the point. He has called you to go somewhere. And I'm going to tell you we need to periodically stop and evaluate where we are. In our personal lives, we need to stop and evaluate where we are. We need to evaluate what we are doing. And we need to make sure we are where we have been sent by Jesus Christ. That we need to do each of those three things periodically. Again, we need to stop and evaluate where we are, what we are doing, and whether or not we are actually where we have been sent by Jesus Christ. Don't don't make the mistake of thinking, well, wherever I go, he must have sent me. No. Unfortunately, that is not right. Human feet go places that is not the will of God. Don't make the mistake of saying, well, just because I go there that he's allowed it and he sent me. There is a huge difference in that. Now finally, Paul states that he's set apart for the gospel of God. Notice here that Paul specifies the exact purpose for which he's been sent. For which he's been set apart for. It is the gospel of God. Remember, the title of this morning's message is, it's about the gospel. It is about the gospel. Everything about our lives should be about the gospel. And Paul tells them clearly to make sure they are receiving not another gospel or a new gospel or a different gospel don't miss this. The gospel's serious business for Paul. It's the heart of the message about the kingdom of God. And Paul wanted to be certain that these Romans had confidence in about what they were about to hear. Because Paul is getting ready to share with them more than they've ever heard before about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he wanted their full attention. He wanted their full attention. He deserved their full attention and he wanted to be sure that he had it church it is all about the gospel of Jesus Christ now we see in verse 5 that this verse contains the seeds of Paul's complete spiritual life and ministry as a believer and as an apostle notice the purpose of this obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations Let me ask you a question. Does that say for the sake of His name among some of the nations? Does it say for the sake of the name about where you happen to live right now? doesn't, does it? It says for the sake of His name among all of the nations. This is to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. Now, it's plain to see when we stop and take time to see that Paul is concerned about the world. He's not just concerned about one specific group of people. He is concerned about the entire world. He wants to take the gospel to the world, and he wants the Romans to have the same vision. And I want you to know this morning, I want you to have the same vision, where our vision should be to take the gospel to the world. And we need to evaluate, are the activities that we're actually involved in, are they allowing us to do that? Or are we just comfortable to continue going like we are going? We've got to be concerned about all of the world. So Paul weaves them into the scope of the gospel by saying what he does in verse 6 including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Now, Paul, what he's doing here, he is building his case for going beyond Rome to Spain and ultimately to the ends of the earth. I want to know this morning, are you in? Do you want to go? Do you want to be a part of Paul's mission? Are you in? Do you want to go? Now, in our remaining time today, we're going to be looking at verses 7 through 17. And we're going to be looking specifically in Paul's interest in the Romans. And then, at the very last of our Scripture today, Paul makes a declaration. And I pray that when we leave here today, that we each make the exact same declaration that our Scripture ends with today. So as we look at verse 7, remember that Paul is writing to the believers in Rome and he says that they are called to be saints. They are called to be saints. Now when Paul calls these believers saints, he's telling them that they are also set apart as holy. They're set apart as holy. Who has set them apart? God. God has set them apart as holy. And guess what? He does the same thing to you. If He has transformed your heart, He has also set you apart as holy. Remember, God's Word says, Be holy as I am holy. Now, Paul makes it clear in verses 8 through 10 that he wants to be able to come to them. He's actually praying for that. That's what we see him doing in these verses. Now, it really shouldn't... It surprises us that Paul wanted to get there in person. Why? It tells us right on the screen right now, or if you're following along in your Bible, it tells us why you wanted to get there. The faith of these people was being reported all over the world. Think about that for just a minute. The faith of these people to which Paul is writing this letter, their faith is being reported all over the world. Paul wants to go. Paul wants to go and see these people. Paul is continuing to pray for these people. And I've got to ask us a question this morning. Is that how we pray? When we see someone who appears to be spiritually thriving, do we continue to pray for them? Or are we more inclined to think, well, you know, they must not need it too much right now. Let's pray for somebody who really needs it. Paul gives us a great example here. Pray for the people that you perceive to be spiritually thriving. Paul is so excited about that. He wants to get there and spend some time with them. Now, in these next three verses for today, we see the other reasons that Paul wants to visit this church in Rome. It was for mutual edification and also for reaping a harvest of what? Souls. Paul wanted to reap a harvest of souls for Jesus Christ. And you know, we should desire the exact same thing. You've heard me say many times we've got to be concerned with where people are going to spend eternity. We've got to be concerned about that. We've got to be burdened for that. So Paul was patient as we look at verse 13, and he was content patient and content with the will of God. Now, he makes it clear here that he wants to come to visit them, but to this point, he hadn't been able to come, has he? That's what he's telling us in these verses. Can you imagine the demands that must have been on this man named Paul? He had a burning desire to preach the gospel A burning desire to preach the gospel. He had a true concern for all of the churches. He wanted to reap a harvest of souls for Jesus Christ. No wonder Satan was after him. No wonder Satan was after him. He'll be after you too if that's your goal. If you're concerned with a harvest of souls, if you make your life about the gospel, hear me when I say this, Satan will be after you. He will be after you. But can you hear me say this this morning? It's worth it. The gospel's worth it. Christ is worth it. God is greater than the enemy. But but be be informed. Satan will be after you. He never gives up. Satan never takes a day off. But don't miss this. Paul had faith in the plan that Christ had for his wife. Do we, have, do we have that same faith this morning? Do we have faith in the plan that Christ has for each of our lives? And as a result, Paul did not become discontent. Again, his eyes were on a harvest of souls. Where are, I, where are our eyes this morning? Paul says, I'm under obligation, both the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish." So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The church, you know, Easter is coming up quickly on us. It's it's sooner this year than it typically is. It's in March. And I think even last Sunday I shared as as a result of when I was sharing about one of the songs, for years I have had a, a burden that a lot of people, I think they think about the cross only as we approach Easter because it's uncomfortable to think about it. When we realize what truly happened to Jesus on his way to the cross and to the cross, it should make us uncomfortable to know all he went through for us. And sometimes our human minds just don't want to think about it. So we choose to think about something else. But I want us to think about the cross this morning. I want us to think about the cross daily, and here's why when we truly realize the magnitude of the sacrifice that Jesus made on that cross for me and for you, it truly is a shame that there, right at this very moment that there are not millions and millions and millions of people roaming this earth looking for just one more person to share Jesus with. If we're not doing that, church, we don't fully understand the cross. I know this is hard this morning. But when we understand that sacrifice, you know, we sing that one song, what a sacrifice. It's one thing to say those words. What a sacrifice. It's a completely other thing to realize it is a sacrifice. What a sacrifice that He made for me and for you. I have no excuse to not be going out in this community and knocking on doors and telling people about Jesus. And neither do, neither do we as a church if we truly understand the cross. We should want to knock on doors. We should want to make phone calls. We should want to tell people about Jesus Christ. Do we? Do we? Who's the last person that you've told about Jesus? Don't answer out loud. But again, this is hard this morning. If you had to make a list right now of the last ten people you told about Jesus, how far would you have to go back historically? We should have a list that's running over and over and over and over because of what He has done in our hearts. So I want to always end by offering hope. Do we always get it right? No, we don't. Thank God for grace. But let me tell you that grace is only available as a result of what Jesus did on the cross. It's only available because of the grace that Jesus, what He did through the sacrifice on the cross. So let's keep busy. Let's tell people about Jesus. Our lives could end today. Their lives could end today. I wonder this morning. Who needs the grace of Jesus Christ? I'll tell you, I'll raise both hands. Thank you, Pavey. I see your little hands up. Oh, the innocence of a child. Oh, the innocence of a child. We need God's grace. We need God's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. We need that this morning. Perhaps you're here this morning and you've never experienced that grace. Can I tell you, you can this morning. You can experience that right now if you are willing to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. If you're willing to admit that you're a sinner and confess your sins, you can receive his grace this morning. I would love to tell you about Jesus. I would love to tell you about his grace. And there are all kinds of people here this morning that would also love to have that exact same conversation. With you. Do you need His grace this morning? Have you experienced His grace? If not, this invitation is for you. I want to be very clear. This invitation is for you. If you've never experienced the grace of God, if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to tell you, no matter what you think your biggest problem in life is, your biggest problem is that you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There is no bigger problem that you could possibly have. Perhaps you're here this morning and you're carrying some type of burden. I want to encourage you to lay that burden at the feet of Jesus, at the foot of the cross. Let him carry that burden for you. He will, but we've got to be willing to give it to him first. Are we willing to lay our burdens at his feet? Perhaps this morning, You just need to come and make some type of commitment between you and Christ. You don't have to tell me anything. But I encourage you to use this altar this morning. You've heard me say before, I wish we used this altar so much that it literally wore the carpet off of it. We could get some more carpet. We could if we needed to. Let's use this altar Let's give our burdens to Jesus. Let's make the commitment that even if it hadn't been all about the gospel in our individual lives up to this point, let's make the commitment today that from this point forward, our lives are about the gospel and that we are going to tell people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me, please, this morning? Father, thank you so much for just another opportunity to stand and to preach your word. Father, I pray right now for people who are hearing my voice that don't know you as their Lord and Savior, whether that's somebody here in the sanctuary or if it's somebody that is listening or watching through technology. Lord, if there is anyone hearing my voice that doesn't know you, Father, I pray that today, will be the day that your convicting power falls upon their hearts and on their lives and that they will ask you to be the Lord and Savior. Father, may we see you move mightily. For those who are carrying burdens, Father, I pray that we will see, just as a church, lay our burdens at your feet today. If there's someone here this morning that needs to make some type of commitment to you, Lord, I pray that that will happen as well. Lord, we know you know what the needs are. I don't, but you do. You see, you know, you hear everything. Father, I pray that we will just completely submit ourselves to you. What I pray that you will send a great revival to this place. Father, may we knock on doors. May we tell people about Jesus. And I pray that beyond that, they will also see that there's something about those people. They believe what they're saying. They live their lives in accordance with what they are telling me about the gospel of Jesus Christ. May our mouths proclaim your gospel, but may our lives also proclaim it. Father, I pray that you will do great and mighty things in this place today, and I pray that Jesus Christ will be exalted and glorified. And it's in the name of Jesus that I pray, amen.